If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Around the Cauldron. My name is Megan, and I'm here to shed light on Wicca from a modern perspective. This podcast is produced every Monday, sometimes educational, sometimes philosophical, and always honest. So grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me around the cauldron. Hey everyone, thank you here. Thank you here. Haha. Thanks for joining me here for episode 21. Um, last week we talked about sympathetic magic and this week I wanted to talk about toxic positivity and how it can affect us both mentally and spiritually. Um, so, but before we hop into it, I just want to take a second to say hello to any new listeners out there. I'm really glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoy making it. Don't forget that you can leave a review wherever you listen, and these reviews really do help other people to find my podcast. Besides the podcast, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, and at my website, roundthecauldron.com, where you can find show notes and links for each episode. I also have a shop where you can get a tarot reading or one of my fancy and mystical crochet items. And lastly, you can help support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron, where you can get exclusive patron-only perks. So for announcements, um, I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it, but I'm still doing my giveaway. Uh, My giveaway will be closing on June 29th. It will be closing for everybody on June 29th, and then I will pick a winner. Um, If you haven't heard, I'm giving away my Rainbow Chakra Meditation Shawl, so click the link in the show notes to go to the giveaway page and enter to win. The giveaway is being done through Rafflecopter, so there is an opportunity to get more than one entry. Um, As of the last time I checked, a bunch more people entered, so that's really awesome. Um, There's only 23 entries that I saw. So still there's a really good chance for somebody to pick that up and that somebody could be you. Uh, The giveaway is open internationally, so don't worry if you're not in the U.S., So check it out and good luck. My next announcement is that Litha is coming. It will be here shortly. Um, So I hope everybody is getting prepared for that. If you celebrate, if you don't celebrate, well, have a happy summer solstice. So toxic positivity is something that I've heard come up in a lot of different communities and... I, I really wanted to look into it a little more from a, a spiritual perspective, but as somebody that suffers from, I don't want to say suffers from, as someone who experiences the symptoms of a mental illness on a regular basis, toxic positivity can actually have an impact on your mental health as well. And 
toxic positivity is something that I see a lot in spiritual communities where everyone is all love and light and peace and blessings to you and rainbows are shooting out of my butthole. You know, like <laughs> everything is just like great and it will be great as long as you continue to be positive. Positive vibes only. I'm here to call bull on that because that's not how life works at all. So toxic positivity is essentially the pursuit of only feeling emotions that are positive and really sort of ignoring everything else, which is really, really unhealthy for one. And for two, it's not good for your spiritual growth. So the psychology behind it all is our emotions run on a spectrum and, you know, you've got anger, but there's different levels of anger. You've got just your basic, like, oh, I'm upset. Then you have that you're furious and you're fuming and your face is red and there's steam coming out of your ears and you're just pissed off. And then you have things like happy and you're happy and you're content or you're joyful and just everything feels great and you're having a great time and there's fear. And sometimes it's just like a little, a little, little bit of a worry and what if this happens? And then there's fear that initiates your body's physiological fight, flight or freeze response. So you can see each emotion is really on its own spectrum, but the emotions together are all on the same spectrum. That didn't really make sense. Each emotion has its own spectrum, but the emotions in general exist on the same spectrum because you can experience more than one emotion at a time. And it always reminds me when I explain this to anybody of the, um, of what Hermione Granger says in Harry Potter, that it's not her fault that they have the emotional range of a teaspoon or something to that effect. I don't know. I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I should know this. <laughs> um, but since we can feel all of this at one time, it can be very stressful and very overwhelming. And I feel like this is where the toxic positivity sort of culture is coming into play. People don't want to experience this overwhelming sense of emotion and they don't want to experience the negativity or the um, quote unquote bad emotions like fear and anger and guilt. But those sorts of emotions are really necessary for your, for your psychological growth, for your cognitive function. If you don't really if you don't learn how to handle these emotions in a mature and responsible way, it can lead to some really unsavory behavior in the future. Now take children, for example. A child doesn't know... A child doesn't have the emotional capacity of an adult. So, for example, my child, she's six. She's She's getting there. She's learning how to express her emotions in a healthy and um, 
psychologically good way, but she tends to get frustrated very easy when she tries something new and she's not good at it. (laughs) She's just like her mom. Um, But it can be difficult for me because I'm the same way. I get frustrated. I don't like to try new things because of this fear I have of being wrong and looking like a fool. And it's, I attribute it a lot to my, my OCD and my PTSD and just stuff that happened when I was a kid. Um, but she doesn't have any of that that I'm aware of. And when she gets frustrated beyond the point of return, it is an all out crying session, like bawling. And she's just tears are flowing from her face and she's sobbing on the floor and she doesn't know how to handle and process the emotion that she's feeling because she's still growing. And that's okay because she's a child. But once when adults start taking on this culture of we have to be positive all the freaking time, it really hinders their emotional growth so that when they do feel emotions like anger and guilt and sadness, they don't know how to deal with it. And it can really turn into a sort of either a mental breakdown or a complete repression of these emotions, which is unhealthy anyways, because the more stuff you put inside of a box and the more full you make it, the harder it is for that box to close and eventually that box is going to explode and everything's just going to come flying out of it. So that's one of the main issues that I've got with this positivity culture from a psychological standpoint, from an emotional health standpoint. We as human beings need to be able to process the emotions that we're feeling and recognize them as something that we're feeling and move past them in a healthy way. And we can't do that if we are constantly telling ourselves, nope, I can't be mad. Positive vibes only. Nope, I can't, I can't be sad. Positive vibes only. Because what are you doing to yourself? You're not giving yourself permission to feel these valid emotions. And then you're just going to repress yourself and be a miserable mess on the inside while still beaming on the outside and exuding this false sense of positivity because it's what you feel you have to do to sort of fit into the spiritual culture that's going on. And you might think it's good for you, but it's not. So now that we've gotten the psychological aspect out of the way, for the most part, until I find something else that I forgot that I need to talk about, Um, I wanted to talk about, oh, I lied. I'm not done. (laughs) So I wanted to give some examples really quick of the differences between validating your emotions versus toxic positivity. Okay. So some of the things that you hear in the positivity only culture is just be positive. Just be positive. 
you know, your car broke down and you missed the interview and you're running out of food in your fridge and your kids are going to go hungry. But just be positive. It's fine. It's okay. Baloney. So, instead of saying just be positive, it's a, it's healthier to say something along the lines of, I know that there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot that could go wrong. What can go right and how can I fix the situation to make it better for myself? See, now in this case, you're not just saying just be positive and your positive emotions are going to fix everything on their own. With this, you're taking responsibility for your situation because positive vibes aren't going to put food on the table for your children. Positive vibes aren't going to fix your car for you. And that's a, that's another thing with this toxic positivity. A lot of it is victim blaming. Very much so. Where, you know, you've got things like you... You are what you attract. Well, I'm sorry that I just got fired from my job because somebody else is a really crappy person or I got laid off because the company's going under. How is that my fault? But I got to just be positive and know that I am what I attract. So with this situation, I did something to bring this on myself. So with that mindset, then you start feeling guilty and worrying about what it is you did to make this happen to you instead of figuring out how you can make the situation better for yourself, better for your family, and how you can move forward from there. And on the healthy aspect, something that says is stop being so negative. People say that all the time. Don't be so negative. Don't be so negative. Now, there are some cases where... People just need to quit being negative. But it's not necessarily that they need to quit being negative. It's that they need to quit gossiping or they need to quit complaining about something that they don't want to put the effort into fixing. In really crappy situations, when someone says, stop being so negative, turn that around and say, you know, take accountability for that and know that these emotions are healthy and valid and say something like, It's perfectly normal to have some negative thoughts in this situation because it's normal. And then when you have a really bad situation, you just, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You just can't. And you're worried and you're afraid and things are just not going great and you feel really down. And then somebody tells you to see the good in everything and that everything happens for a reason. Absolutely not. I don't believe that at all. Not everything happens for a reason. Well, I mean, technically everything happens for a reason, but not because the universe wanted you to go through this test or endure this thing that you're going through. Sometimes the things that are happening in your life are the product of some poor decisions on your part. Sometimes the things that happen in your life are the product of poor decisions on somebody else's part. You can't help that. So when somebody tells you to see the good in everything, tell them to shut up and realize for yourself that at that point in time, yeah, it's probably really hard to see the good in, to see any good in that situation, 
but that it's okay and you can make sense of the situation later. And as someone that has a couple diagnoses of mental illness, um, so if you aren't aware, I have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder, PTSD, generalized anxiety disorder, and OCD. I have a history of abuse as a child um, that I'm not going to get into because that's not something that I want to talk about in this episode. Maybe I'll talk about it at a later date, but that is going to have a lot of content warnings and I don't want to do that this time. Um, And yeah, so coming from my perspective, I struggled with this a lot with my mental health just in general because first first coming into the Wiccan community, everything is love and light and positivity and everything will be okay and trust in the universe and the God and goddess and just be happy. And it really bothered me that I couldn't figure out how to achieve that level of happiness on my own. I thought I was doing something wrong and I really thought that there was something wrong with me because I was in this faith and I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but I was not achieving this level of happiness or this level of peace. And looking at it now, I can see that most of those people are full of shit or I'm sorry, full of crap. (laughs) And spreading this falsehood that once you achieve peace, all will be well in your life. But it's not always true. And that's a really big problem. And it's especially a really big problem in the spiritual community. So I, I speak from a Wiccan perspective. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not in a tradition. I don't have a coven. So really, this is all based on my own personal experience. But toxic positivity not only hinders your emotional growth and well-being, but it can hinder your spiritual growth. If all you think about is being positive and that everything is going to be great, and only if you do everything the right way, that's not a really good mindset to have when you're looking for spiritual growth. Because a big part of spiritual growth is something called shadow work. So shadow work, or the idea of the shadow, actually comes from psychology with um, Carl Jung. I believe it's Jung. Um, With the idea that every person has this shadow within them that can house all of the... um, like taboo thoughts of your unconscious or all the things that you're afraid of. Or for example, the first thing that you see in someone else that you don't, that you don't like what you see in someone else is normally a projection of your shadow and it's something that you need to work on. But you cannot do shadow work and work on yourself if you're stuck in a cycle of toxic positivity. It's just not going to happen because your shadow is literally about confronting the darkness within you. Not necessarily, not the evil, that's, I don't mean it in that sense, but the darkness, 
the things that are the things that you're afraid of, the things that you feel guilty for, the things that make you angry. And in order to do the shadow work, you have to have a healthy sense of emotion. You have to be able to process or attempt to process any range of emotions that you feel during the cycle of figuring yourself out and growing as a spiritual person. It is almost impossible to accomplish this if you are stuck in the cycle of toxic positivity. And so there's another thing that this trend really amounts to, and it's called a spiritual bypass. So according to Wikipedia, a spiritual bypass is a tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. It says the term was introduced in the early 1980s by John Wellwood, um, a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist. Now, this is basically what I just mentioned with spiritual development. So if you're taking everything and you're not confronting any issues that you have with your anger or your fear or your guilt or any past trauma that you have been through, any psychologist, any psychologist, any therapist will tell you that you need to not necessarily face them, but eventually through a process, you will, you, you should work through them and get past them so that you can move on with your life. And I've been through this process and it is hard freaking work. Okay. And I think that's why a lot of people stick with this toxic positive positivity crap because they don't want to put in the work to really learn how to handle their emotions and learn that not everything has a positive or a negative. Sometimes things are just neutral or you're just neutral and stuff is happening around you. And it could be some stuff is good and some stuff is bad. But you're just, you can just be neutral. And spiritual bypass is not going to help your spiritual development if you're using it and just stepping around and skipping, skipping points on the map, basically, and bypassing anything that you need to heal from because you can't grow spiritually unless you confront the problems that you're faced with. And I see this a lot with those who practice or believe law of attraction. And not everybody is like this. There's some wonderful people out there who who practice law of attraction who are also very real people. They are realists and they know that sometimes bad stuff happens just because bad stuff happens. But with law of attraction, you are manifesting your desires manifesting the things that are happening in your life. Now, I have seen some people in this law of attraction community blame the bad things that happened to someone on themselves because they weren't trying hard enough or they didn't manifest the right way or they're letting their anger get in the way and you have to be positive 
with these manifestations or nothing is going to come of them. And I think that's a really crappy way to live your life and teach other people to live their life because I'm not responsible for the things that happened to me as a child. And if anybody wants to come and argue with me, I will fight you on that. I am not responsible for that. There are things in your life that no matter what you do, you can't change them. There are things in your life that you can't control. And this toxic positivity culture is, I mean, it's, it's toxic. It's not good for us as a species. It's not good for our spiritual growth and it's not good for our mental health and it's not good for our emotional well-being. So all of that being said, how do you fight, how do you fight toxic positivity? It's, it's funny because how are you supposed to fight someone for being too positive? I guess that's, that's how it plays out in my brain. But I think that it starts with yourself. So you don't really, you don't really fight it head on. You make the change yourself within yourself and your practices and the way you think. And then eventually by the people you interact with and the people you speak with and the people who speak with you and the people that are close to you, that sort of rubs off onto other people. And it might be hard at first. It might be really hard. I went through a period of time where I was trying to adjust my thoughts. I was, let's see, it was a couple years ago. And I was telling myself I was too negative, that I had too many negative thoughts. I needed to be more positive and nicer in my head. And every time a negative thought would pop in my head, I would consciously remind myself that's not how we should think. We should think more positive. But it turned out to just make me feel worse because... I have something that a lot of people with a mental illness have called intrusive thoughts. And these are thoughts that aren't really controlled by me. They just, they are there. And these thoughts can range on a spectrum of being like super angry thoughts to super depressive thoughts to like the random suicidal thought. I don't attribute them to my thought process because they are called intrusive thoughts for a reason. It is my mental health, my mental illness speaking through my mind. And that's not something that I can consciously change. I can't repress those thoughts because it's my brain. And I really have no control over the intrusiveness of the thoughts and when they happen. But paying more attention to my thoughts and how I needed to be more positive in order to be more spiritual. I I think that's why I was doing it. I needed to be more positive, more do no harm in, in thought and action. So I was taking on that in thought part because in action, I'm pretty good at it. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a pacifist, but I try not to do any harm. Um, 
But it made me feel worse because paying that close attention to the thoughts that were running through my mind really made me see how much negativity, quote unquote, was rolling through my brain on a daily basis. I was constantly having to redirect my thoughts and it made me feel like a really terrible person. Like I felt really freaking bad that I was constantly having to redirect my thoughts because half of the thoughts that would go through my head appeared to be of the negative variety. And then, so when I started feeling bad about that, I essentially, I gave up and I felt like a failure. And then life moved on and I learned about intrusive thoughts and then it clicked in my head like, oh, you don't really have control over this. So don't worry about it. It's not something that you're actively thinking. It's not something you're actively doing. So don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do to change it. You can't tell yourself, just be positive, think happy thoughts, because you have no control over those thoughts that are coming into your mind. So the way that I would imagine fighting this toxic positivity culture in our day-to-day life and our spiritual side, our spiritual life and in our faith is really recognizing, one, when it happens, and two, methods that you can do to to combat that, to combat that, to, um, to change that. So one would be if you are in any sort of community in a public place and somebody is talking about some experience that they're going through or something that happened and someone else speaks up with one of those toxic positivity lines, like, oh, everything happens for a reason. If, if you're able, if you can mentally handle it, I know some people have really bad anxiety um, or they just don't like doing this, which is fine. Go to the person that is experiencing the hard time and tell them and empathize with them. Hey, I'm really sorry you're going through this right now. Is there anything I can do to help you? Or... I'm really sorry you're going through this right now. What can I do to help you find a solution? Is there a solution? Is it something that's happening to that person? Or is it something that's being caused by some of their choices? You really have to step in and analyze the situation if you're able to. Um, If it's just one of those offhanded comments that you hear somebody make, just kindly tell them that that's not true. I don't know. Or say, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. And if they argue with you, I don't know, use some outlandish example of everything happens for a reason. Okay, then why do we have cancer? Why do people die in car accidents? Why is there poverty? Why are children dying across the world? Not everything happens for a reason. And then eventually, once you start doing these things for yourself, like I said earlier, it it does rub off on other people. They do start to see the changes you're making within yourself and pick that up within themselves. And they start to do it. And then that's how it spreads. And I've got some stuff here 
um, that I'm gonna really I'm gonna read really quick um, before I let everybody go, and I'll also link to it in the show notes. But the article is called Four Ways to Avoid Toxic Positivity and Lean into Emotional Acceptance," and it's written by someone named Haley Goldberg, and they talk about how toxic positivity is a new self-care trend that is really crappy. And they go in to say research shows that accepting, not rejecting our emotions actually helps us better diffuse them and leads to fewer negative emotions over time, leading to better overall psychological health. And that a new study actually backs this up. They do have several links in the article to back up the things that they say, but I actually wanted to read the four ways that you can lean into emotional acceptance instead of emotional avoidance. And these can really help you in your daily life, like your nine to five job or as a parent, because we all know if we're parents, there are times we just feel really freaking guilty for taking the five minutes to pee by ourselves. When you got a a kid knocking at the door and they just want your attention. Anyways, then you can also bring these into your, your spiritual side and really dig deep down into your shadow and grow spiritually. So one of the first things that this article says is to greet the feeling with self-compassion. Recognize how you're feeling and how it's tough. And try saying to yourself, this bad feeling feels really tough. They go on to say that it sounds simple, but accepting our feelings takes away its power. Uh, Someone that I can't pronounce their name on here with a PhD explains in an article in Psychology Today that it's like dealing with an undertow. They say uh, swimmers who are caught in an undertow and feel themselves being dragged out to sea often panic and begin to swim against the current with all their might. Often, they fatigue, cramp, and drown. To survive, such a swimmer should do the opposite. Let go. Let the current take him out to sea. Within a few hundred yards, the current will weaken and the swimmer can swim around and back to shore. The same with a powerful emotion. Pushing against it is futile and possibly dangerous, but if you accept the emotion, it will run its course while allowing you to run yours. The second thing is to know that these are part of being human. You need to recognize that being unhappy is a part of life that can help us feel a little more in control. They say, when our troubled, painful experiences are framed by recognition that countless that countless others have undergone similar hardships, the blow is softened. The pain still hurts, but it doesn't become compounded by feelings of separation. Then you can aim for deep acting in your 9 to 5. It says, our feelings don't stop when we head to work, but there's a way to stay true to your feelings while also feeling empowered through the work day. So a psychologist named Adam Grant and... um. Alicia Grandy, an industrial organizational psychologist at Penn State, dove into the difference between surface acting and deep acting. They explained that surface acting is when a customer service rep often pretends to feel a certain way, happy, excited, passionate, when they don't truly feel it. 
And if you've ever worked customer service, you know everyone has a retail voice. Hi, how are you today? I hope you're finding everything all right. Let me know if you have any questions. You know that kind of voice. Um, So it's wearing a mask that you take off at the end of the day. It feels like the simple way to really distance yourself from the role, but it creates a sense of being inauthentic, which can take its take a toll on you. So deep acting is the alternative. Instead of putting on a mask, you actually try to feel the emotion. That way it comes out naturally. So the trick is to identify what does feel authentic to you and communicate that in a way that supports your goals. So while you may be over your manager's micromanaging, maybe you get jazzed about the people you're helping in your day-to-day. Tap that feeling to start deep acting. The last thing it says is to try journaling. And this is one of the best methods of accepting our emotions, getting them out on paper or typing or however you journal and really acknowledging the way that you're feeling. So it says that the next time a strong emotion pops up, try putting pen to paper with an expressive writing exercise. Take a few minutes to just write about your feelings. One journalist framework the Greater Good Science Center recommends is to try word association with your feeling. Write down what you're feeling, or write down the feeling that you're experiencing, and then ask yourself, what word or topic does it bring to mind? What word or topic does that new one bring to mind? Keep associating new words with the feeling and see if it starts to offer more clarity about what the feeling means to you. And this is something that I've started doing again. I used to journal a lot. When I was younger, um, and I would write poetry, and I I used journaling as an outlet when I was younger because I was really struggling with a depression, but I didn't really know that's what it was. I wasn't officially diagnosed with depression until after I had my daughter at the age of 21. I knew what I was going through, but my diagnosis wasn't official until my early 20s. And I have actually gone through and read some of my old journals. I don't have them anymore. I tossed them um, because they made me too depressed. (laughs) And journaling was something that I used as an outlet for the emotions, the strong emotions that I was feeling to try to make sense of them in a psychological way, but also a spiritual way. And that's really something, if you can that I would recommend to incorporate into your daily practice, whether you're spiritual or not. Because it's good for your mental health, it's good for your spiritual health, it's good for your emotional health, it's good for you in general as a human being. Until next time, everyone. Bye! I just wanted to say thanks again for taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. It really means a lot to me that so many of you listen. And as long as you get something out of the things that I have to say, I'm happy. Don't forget that you can reach out to me on whatever platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email me with questions, comments, or suggestions at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. I don't bite and I will always be here to listen and help if I can. Please also consider supporting this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron for as little as a dollar a month, where you will get patron-only exclusives, which include early access to episodes before they go live. 
Follow the show on social media and at roundthecauldron.com where you will find educational articles, show notes, links, and more.